Tisha time is 7.45. What does that mean? It's time for another wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Hi there, Denny. How's it going? It's going well. I, I was thinking about our chat today and, and thinking, looking at the forecast, it looks like it, it's going to be 90 degrees for the next five or six days. So I don't know if you want to reflect on that or not. I thought today I'd revisit something we haven't talked about in years, and that is Bordeaux wines. Uh-huh. Now, Bordeaux is a big city in the southwestern part of France, and it, it, it's a wonderful place to visit. Uh, and, and like all French major cities, it has an old section, and it, it's just redolent with history and stuff. But today let's talk about the wine, because Bordeaux happens to be the largest wine-producing area in all of France, and for that matter, all of Europe. It's just huge. They produce over 700 million bottles of wine a year. And that's incredible uh, that there's that much Bordeaux consumed because Bordeaux in this country has sort of been on the wane a little bit. It has a very noble history. Uh, you know, the vines originally were planted by Roman legions in the first century, thus some old names like Chateau Petrus, which is a Roman name, uh, came out of that era. So they've been producing wines there for almost 2,000 years. So they kind of know what they're doing. The history of it, though, is very interesting because it was a big change when Eleanor of Aquitaine, and Aquitaine was the area that includes Bordeaux, was a huge slice of France. About 35 40% of France as we know it today was belonged to Eleanor of Aquitaine, who was the queen there. And she married Henry Plagenet of England, and she brought all of that with her as a dowry. So all of that big Aquitaine area, which is, again, today all of Bordeaux, uh, went to the uh, English crown. And because of that, uh, the English began, as it was their own property, obviously, to drink and promote the wine of that area. And it became very, very popular. In fact, it had a name called Claret. And I'll address that a little bit later about what Claret really is. Then in the 17th century, early in the 17th century, Dutch traders drained all the swampland that today is known as the Medoc. And the Medoc is probably France's uh, most famous wine-producing area, and certainly is Bordeaux's most famous wine-producing area. And this Medoc was all drained swamps that the uh, Dutch traders put in there, and they began to plant Cabernet Sauvignon in this area, and thus put Bordeaux basically on the map. Because even today, which surprises most people, 65% of the grapes produced in Bordeaux are Merlot grapes, of the red wine grapes. It's Merlot. Everybody thinks of Bordeaux as Cabernet, but and it is. Uh, in fact, the Medoc, which is a region of uh, all of Bordeaux, and if you imagine Bordeaux is shaped a little bit like your hand, and the Medoc would be your thumb sticking out. And that's just kind of how it's situated between the Dordogne and the Garonne River. In fact, there's a, uh, an Appalachian between the two that's called uh, uh, Dumer. And uh, the wine from that area is between the two seas, Entre Dumer. And the reason, believe it or not, it goes pretty good with shellfish. Uh, and things like that. It's a white Bordeaux, Entre de Mer. They also make a red, but the white one is the one that's kind of most interesting because it's good 
balance with any kind of uh, French, uh, or for that matter, any kind of seafood. doesn't have to be French. But the uh, Maiduc became very, very famous. Uh, the French had a big exposition, which they had every five or ten years in Paris, and invite everybody from all over the world. And the one in 1855, they decided they would classify the wines of Bordeaux. Well, in that classification, which has only been changed once since 1855, uh, all, virtually all the wines but one came from the Maidoc, and that one was Chateau Aubryon, which was world famous at the time, and they had included. But it just shows you how important that Maidoc is uh, to Bordeaux. In fact, if you ever heard any names like Lafitte or uh, Mouton or Chateau Margaux or uh, Chateau Palmer, Lynchbage, etc., <coughs> excuse me, all of those properties come from the Maidoc area. Very wealthy Parisians and Bordelais, bankers, etc., built magnificent chateaus up and down the Maidoc. So that when people go to Bordeaux for wine, basically, they pretty much stay in the Maidoc, although you're missing a lot because the hills of Saint-Emilion are absolutely gorgeous in Bordeaux. And, uh, you know, they often say about Saint-Emilion uh, that it's hill wine at its best, and I think that possibly is true. In Saint-Emilion, the principal grape type is Merlot. Uh, over in the Maidoc, again, the principal uh, grape type is Cabernet Sauvignon. And so we have the right bank and the left bank. And uh, the left bank is where uh, the Maidoc is, etc. And the right bank is where Saint-Emilion and Pomerol are. And they all make wonderful wines. But it just gives you an idea of the difference in the two right and left bank. Uh, Red Bordeaux is made from a blend of grapes. Uh, Usually the blend is, in fact, when they call a Bordeaux blend around the world, it's 70% Cabernet Sauvignon about 20% Merlot, and about 10% of Petit Verdot. Uh, Those numbers can go up and down, but you get the idea. The Bordeaux blend, when you buy a Bordeaux blend, it's usually principally Cabernet Sauvignon, even though uh, the biggest grape type there is Merlot. And uh, Merlot, again, these wines are, in my opinion, are often overlooked. The, The wines of Bordeaux are really wonderful wines. They're not very expensive, you know, and they produce 700 million bottles. There's a lot of wine that produces not very good, but there's also a lot of wine that's very good and very reasonably priced, too. Uh, White Bordeaux is another wine that's tremendously overlooked, in my opinion. I, I remember the very first time I had a good White Bordeaux, I said to my dining companion, this wine cries for lobster, and it really did. It happened to be a, a wine called Chateau Gravy Lacoste, which was a, a white grave, which is principally, now again there the, in the white wines, the principal grape type is Semillon, but they are inching up with uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Usually the Sauvignon Blanc uh, was, is about 20 to 30 percent, and the rest is Semillon. Today they're inching that Sauvignon Blanc up quite a bit in the different blends because of the popularity of uh, Sauvignon Blanc from around the world. You know, it was really uh, spearheaded by New Zealand 20, 25 years ago, uh, and everybody fell in love with New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs, and it really changed 
the Bordelais' attitude about Sauvignon Blanc. They looked at it as a minor uh, blending grape. Another minor blending grape in Bordeaux that went on to great fame was Malbec. The Argentinians loved Malbec and planted it and pro- uh, promoted it as a type by itself. And today we're seeing more and more Malbec being planted in Bordeaux. But for many, many years they shunned it as a very minor blending grape. So you find this area produces great white wine, great red wine, and of course produces some pretty interesting uh, rosé as well. Uh, the winemaking and wine styles really haven't changed a whole lot in Bordeaux in the hundreds of years, you know, they've introduced stainless steel tanks and they are a little more uh, better about hygiene and cleanliness and things like that. But the style itself hasn't changed very much. Uh, they make wines a little more forward. It used to be with a claret, you'd have to wait till it was at least six years old before you'd even think about drinking it. Today, that isn't quite true. Uh, the big wines that command those high prices, like Chateau Lafitte and Margot, etc., yes, indeed, it's worth waiting for. In fact, with those wines, I'd suggest waiting eight or ten years, and they really show you their stuff. But the area of Bordeaux is very interesting. There's a restaurant in Bordeaux that's one of my favorite in the entire world, and it's called La Tupina. And it's been in a restaurant, and it's kind of the very first bistro, for about 185 years. And they cook right over the wood cuttings. And I'm telling you, if you ever get to Bordeaux, don't miss La Tupina. It's the original bistro, I think, in the entire world. They cook everything on the open fire, and it really is delicious. But again, don't forget they produce good red wine, good dry white wine, and in my opinion, perhaps the greatest sweet wine in the entire world is made in Sauternes. Sauternes is, again, another one of the provinces of Bordeaux. As you can see, there's a lot of stuff in Bordeaux. One of the things that is good to remember, in my opinion, is people talk about wine labels. If you envision wine label as a target, and for example, we had Minnesota wine, then we had Hennepin County wine, and then we had... uh, Shea Farrell wine. Well, obviously, the closer we're getting to that Shea Farrell, the better the wine is because they're identifying it more closely. The Minnesota would be Bordeaux, then make a little smaller thing, say uh, Sanamillon, and then make a little smaller one and say uh, one of the chateaus of Sanamillon and put it, and thus the wine gets a little better the more it's identified. So that's the target theory about Bordeaux wines. But another thing to know about is the word claret. This is protected by uh, the um, European Common uh, Committee. Uh, It's a wine assigned to France. And claret is the name that the English gave the Bordeaux when they first started to bring it in in the era of Eleanor of Aquitaine and then they called it claret because they say how clear the wine looks because they were used to getting very cloudy wine and when they started getting wine from Bordeaux it got a lot better but anyhow you get the idea Bordeaux's a wonderful area of wine it's too bad that it's been overlooked for so long but uh, don't overlook it and try it and while you're trying things uh, Haskell's has introduced something that I think is very interesting it's a six pack of wine uh, six bottles of wine. These are great things to do in these days when you have to stay home or you're confined. Uh, we call it our picnic pack 
or our patio pack, six bottles of wine, a, a Chardonnay that's great with chicken, a Prosecco that's a good aperitif wine to have uh, when you're just gathering together, uh, then a white Bordeaux, uh, La Ville Pavillon Blanc. You can have that with shellfish or shrimp. And then a good red Chateau Millange, the House of a Thousand Angels, their Mozart. It's lovely Bordeaux, uh, real high quality, but even so, it wouldn't be bad with brats or burgers on the grill. And then a Provenera Cabernet Sauvignon from California, which is absolutely marvelous with steak. And, of course, we wouldn't want to forget our friends at Mal- the Argentinians in Malbec, Chateau Gary Bay, uh, is a Malbec that's fabulous with ribs. There you have six wines for 60 bucks. That's you save about nineteen dollars a case when you buy these six for sixty, and you can get that at Haskell's. And the folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine. They love to pair wines, and they'll be happy to pair any wine uh, with any food you're going to prepare. But these six for sixty is kind of a fun thing, and you can pick one of these six for sixty up at any one of the Haskell's. There's Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior. Faribault, right off of 35. Our Maple Grove Supercellar is not to be missed. There's a Haskell's in downtown Minneapolis with free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come in, go to Haskell's.com. Don't forget, we do deliver. And what a pleasant thing to deliver would be one of these 6 for 60 uh, picnic packs or patio packs of wine. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. Well, Jack, let's uh, let's talk again next week. You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. Me too. Thanks so much, Jack. Jack Farrell from Haskell's 